Welcome to season three of the Yoga Therapy Hour podcast. My name is Amy Wheeler and I'm your host. We are so happy to tell you all that's happening in the world of yoga therapy. And we love to find guests from all over the world so that we can share and learn and grow together. Some of the things that are happening in season three that we find so exciting is that not only are we continuing with the free gift that we are giving out every single week in season two, and you can see more about that in the show notes, but now we are adding a YouTube channel and you can see all of these podcasts on video. The YouTube channel is called Optimal State with Amy Wheeler. Some people like to watch video maybe you want to use it for one of your trainings these videos on youtube will be there for you to use for free we would love your support we have opened up a patreon page that is going to help the podcast flourish and grow you can help us to expand and grow and create more content for you and we'd love for you to visit the patreon page which is called optimal state and yoga therapy hour podcast so let's go into our guest today and please nourish yourself take time for yourself and really relax into listening to the podcast hello today's podcast is one that is very close to my heart i have had the good fortune of traveling all over the world as both a sports psychologist in my 20s and 30s, I traveled all over the world to help athletes at the elite levels perform. And then in my 40s and 50s, I've had the good fortune of traveling all over the world for yoga therapy. I was just so shocked when I went to Japan because Japan, I think, is my favorite place on earth. And, and that is saying a lot. I, I'm almost shocked at how much I love Japan <laughs> and hope to go back one day. And so our guests today are Madoka Chase Onisuka and Chiaki Smiley. And Madoka grew up in the United States and now lives in Japan. Chiaki grew up in Japan and now lives in the United States. So between the two of them, we've got all the bases covered. And basically today's podcast is all about what's happening in Japan in terms of yoga therapy. And it also is about a very special way that they practice yoga therapy called isometric yoga therapy. And this is something I had never heard of. I had never seen, I had never experienced until I went to Japan in 2018. And I fell in love with isometric yoga. I, I to this day, still love to use it. It's it's kind of similar to our technique in the United States called autogenics training, where you tighten your muscles and then you relax. You might do different parts of your body, tightening, relaxing, tightening, relaxing, and really feeling the difference between what is a tight muscle, what is a relaxed muscle, and kind of letting your nervous system alternate between the two. I believe that everybody should try isometric yoga. And as part of our talk today, we're going to show you a YouTube channel where you can go take a class in English. It's about a 20 minute class of isometric yoga. And it's amazing. I think everyone should try it. And it has some really powerful research behind it with Dr. Oka, who has published really impressive research papers in the journal called Nature and won some big awards basically using isometric yoga for chronic fatigue syndrome. So today's episode is just packed full of interesting information about what's going on in Japan. It's a huge deal. They they have thousands of people interested in yoga therapy. I think it's bigger there than it is here in the U.S., and so I think you're really going to just enjoy hearing both Madoka and Chiaki tell us about yoga therapy in Japan. And what I hope it does for you is help you to see that yoga therapy is alive and well all over the world. You're not alone. 
you're not imagining that this might be a career for you. This might be something that is going to move forward because it's happening all over the world. Many, many countries have a very strong presence with yoga therapy. And I, it just, when I went there and saw that in Japan, it made me feel like this is something that's going to be sustainable and grow over hundreds of years. We're just the pioneers. We're just the beginning. So I hope you enjoy talking with Madoka and Chiaki as much as I did and hearing what they have to say about yoga therapy in Japan. Thank you for joining us, Madoka and Chiaki. Nice to see your smiling faces. Thank you. Tell us where you're, where you're located. I always like to help people kind of ground into where our guests are. So let's start with Madoka. Where are you? I'm in a city called Nishinomiya in Japan, and it's sort of halfway in between Kobe and Osaka. Mm, but out kind of in the countryside a little bit. Where I live, yeah, the city itself is kind of large, so I guess I'm sort of off to the side, closer to the countryside. Okay. And Chiaki, where are you today? Yeah, right now I live in Portland, Oregon. It's close to uh, Washington State. And where are you from originally? I'm originally from close to Nishinomiya, a city called Takarazuka, and I grew up there till high school. And then I went to Tokyo for college, did some overseas studies. And then before Portland, I was in a city called Sendai, Mm. And I was raising children with my American husband. And then the earthquake hit. And the following year, we moved to Portland, 2012. Wonderful. Well, thank you for kind of letting us place where you are when, when there's three of us on the call and we're all in different places. I like to just kind of ground into that. So I'm just going to give a tiny bit of history about how I met each of you. And, you know, it started... In about 2016, Madoka, who was a major support for the Japanese Yoga Therapy Society, she started meeting with some of the board members in 2016 of the International Association of Yoga Therapists and kind of talking about this global need of of all of us from around the world to come together and start to understand what others were doing in the field. And then in 2017, I met Madoka because I was very interested along with Marlisa Sullivan in assessment. And as we'll talk about, there's a lot of assessment that goes on also in Japan yoga therapy. And then in 2018, by this time, Madoka and friends had basically decided that we should try to get everybody from all over the world, like a lot of people. I don't know, Madoka, was it like 40 people from different countries around the world that came together in Japan in 2018? I think the officially it was like 35, about 35. Yeah. And so I, I had the pleasure of being at that first meeting and, and there was a big conference that we'll talk about in a little bit, but One of the reasons I wanted Madoka to be here is because she was instrumental in kind of bringing us all together from all around the globe because she's multilingual and she helped us to understand that along with Keishin and Mori and a lot of other people in the Japanese Yoga Therapy Society, that maybe we should form something called the Global Yoga Therapy Consortium. And so by 2018, I think many people had said, yes, this is a great idea. We want to explore this, had come to Japan. And, you know, that first conference, Madoka, I don't know if you realize how mind shifting that was for me to see such a tiny little country like Japan have 1,200 people, I think, around that number show up for a yoga therapy conference. Like I'll just to give some perspective, IYT sometimes gets like 300, 350. So how did, first of all, Madoka, and I'm going to come to you, Chiaki, but how did yoga therapy become so big in Japan? That's a lot of people. 
A lot of the credit goes to Mr. Kimura Keishin. He is the president of the Japan Yoga Therapy Society. And so he started first teaching yoga many, many years ago, and then noticed how a lot of his students were talking about how do I teach yoga for people with this ailment, or how do I teach yoga to women who are pregnant, or how do I teach yoga to you know, cancer patients? And so he recognized this need for a therapeutic approach and developed this and eventually established the Japan Yoga Therapy Society. And I don't know how it became so popular, <laughs> um, but we did have like a, a yoga sort of, we call it a yoga boom in the early like 2000, between 2000, 2010. And one of the things that really pulled me towards the three-year program was that until then, most of my yoga study was focused on asana. Mm -hmm. And I really was interested in learning more about therapeutic approach, touching people's hearts, um, this kind of thing. And that his program seemed to enable that. So the Japan Yoga Therapy Society, people who are certified in their program are the ones who become members of the Japan Yoga Therapy Society. So it's not like IAYT, where you have therapists from different schools who can become members, but basically certified yoga therapists in Japan, at, especially in the beginning, I think the Japan Yoga Therapy Society was the only society with a certification. Now there's a couple different schools that have their own certification. But yeah, attending the conference is one of the requirements to get points to renew your certification. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good business model. <laughs> and so there was no online participation like there is now. Mm. So uh, yeah, we had about a, over a thousand people certified. And, and I remember walking into the conference and first of all, everything just beautiful food, beautiful decorations, beautiful entertainment, like, like you just out of this world, kind of mind blowing and several hundred people volunteering mm -hmm. to man all the tables and to get people in the right places and to do registration. And I was really blown away at the level of commitment and volunteerism mm -hmm. of hundreds of people. It, it was impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, I guess principles are one thing that's emphasized is service. And so every year, the annual conference is held in a different city. Mm. And each of those cities has like a local office or local branch of the Japan Yoga Therapy Society. And so the branch of the city where the conference is being held is responsible for basically organizing it. And so they get their members to volunteer and um, they work really, really, really hard. <laughs> uh, it's apparent. It, it was mind blowing. And Chiaki, I know when we were originally going to schedule this podcast interview, you said, oh my gosh, that's like the same time as our national conference. So Chiaki, can you tell us a little bit about the conference this past year in 2022? Like, what was it like? What was the theme? How many people showed up? Anything about the conference you want to share? So this is the 20th research conference based in Yonago. And past two years, we could not hold an in-person conference, but the branch or the city who was in charge of organizing was really dedicating their efforts to create an online meeting. and. Mm -hmm more than 1,000 people signed up online. And this year, it became for the first time the hybrid meeting in Yonago, that's the yoga Niketan's based. And 200 people showed up in person and 849 people signed up for online. So again, it's more than 1,000 participants for this conference. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, in fact, in the past 10 years, constantly we had more than 1,000 participants every year. So different 
person becomes in charge of the conference. And last year, it was supposed to be held in Okinawa, but it became online. But the person in charge of the whole conference was a dentist. Mm. Oh, well, we're going to come back to dentistry and yoga therapy in a few minutes, but let's wrap up this little loop about the Global Yoga Therapy Consortium, because that was something that I think Madoka was really instrumental in. What was your title again, Madoka? I know you had a very official title. Secretary General. (laughs) Secretary General. There you go. I knew it was something really important. So... When we all came together from many, many countries, 35 different people, I'm pulling up the website here of a picture of all of us in Sendai at the Japanese Yoga Therapy Conference. But then we also had our global yoga therapy consortium meeting. And this picture, if you're watching this on YouTube, is all of us kind of raising our hands up in the air from all the different countries in July 2018. And we came up with what we called the Sendai Declaration, which believe it or not, like two and a half days or something to agree upon. And you'd be surprised how much co-negotiation needed to happen. (laughs) So do you want to read that for us, Madoka, or would you like me to? Oh, um, I can read it. (laughs) Sure. I was just going to say, since you are such a central part, I would like you to read it. Oh, thank you. So in the interest of developing and promoting yoga therapy around the world to contribute to the health and wellness of our communities, we call for the following. Developing a shared theoretical framework for yoga therapy that respects the teachings of traditional yoga. Information sharing among yoga therapists around the world. International cooperation to conduct yoga therapy research and international cooperation to promote yoga therapy worldwide. To do this, we support the establishment of a global consortium on yoga therapy. And that's the declaration, (laughs) short and sweet. (laughs) And that website is www.globalyogatherapy.com. And you know what that did for me coming to that conference and being part of this declaration? I had felt, you know, living up in the mountains in my little cabin all by myself, I I oftentimes had like this feeling like, what am I doing with my life? I don't, I don't know, you know, if anybody else loves what I love, am I crazy? Like, how, how did I put my whole life into this? And when I went there and saw all the other people all over the world, loving yoga therapy, just like I love yoga therapy and really dedicating their their life to it. Keishin, he's been doing this for like 50 plus years or something, right? And it really really gave me this sense of, wow, this is not just in my mind. There are many people out there who love yoga therapy like I do, including the 1,200 people from Japan that showed up. But it just really gave me a sense of hope for the field long-term because so many people were there together saying, yes, this is important. One of the sort of unique or special things about that conference was that we had people from IAYT, which is also an international organization, but were able to bring people from India and Sri Lanka and Singapore and from the Asian Association for Yoga Therapy that I, they didn't have much of a, a tie yet, I think, with IAYT at that time. And so in Japan, we felt kind of like a, a bridge <laughs> between <laughs> Europe and the United States and India and other parts of Asia. And it was really beautiful to see everyone sort of connecting from the heart and sharing information and kind of sharing this enthusiasm mm. for, for yoga therapy and bringing it more to a prominent place in the world. I love what you said. You know, let's just go full disclosure here. Mm-hmm. When IAYT kind of claimed that name, International Association of Yoga Therapists, it was upsetting to some other countries. Like, wait a minute, you're going to go claim that you're the international, you know, and I think IAYT thought of it as a welcoming, let's just all come together. Everyone's welcome. But I think from some other countries' perspective, maybe it was a little 
much to kind of use that word international. And so I think on a organizational level, maybe there were some hard feelings. I'm not sure. I, I don't know for sure, but I, I think there was some, like you said, the, the kind of South Asian and Asian countries, and then there's the, the U S and Europe. But when we all got together, human being to human being heart to heart and had such a great time together and really, I think adored each other by the end of the, the week, I think we all really loved each other and still do. I mean, I still talk to so many friends that I met there. It, it kind of lets you see like, you know, whatever these organizational struggles, okay, fine. You know, but we're you know, at the end of the day, we're human beings who all love yoga therapy and want to bring it forward. So thanks for, for pointing that out, Madoka. It's, it's beautiful. And I just want to also highlight this website. If you want to know more about the Japanese yoga therapy society, there's an English website. If you're just curious, like, wow, maybe I'll go there and go to the conference or something. And that's at www.yogatherapy.jp slash English. And that's the English website, but it's nice because you can see their mission, their advisors, their research, their training, and just learn more about the equivalent of IAYT in the United States. Well, the JYTS is the Japanese version of IAYT. So, all right. Well, the next thing that I really want to kind of get into is talking to Chiaki because Madoka officially retired from her big position in 2022 or 2021? 2020. 2020. Okay. Yeah. And, and those were big shoes to fill because Madoka had so many strong connections with people worldwide and has such a strong ability to speak both Japanese and English. And it was a, a big loss, I think, to have such a competent and kind person that could help bring all of our hearts together. And so Chiaki is possibly in the transition of maybe filling those shoes. I don't know, Chiaki, is that accurate or is it unknown at this time? It is unknown at this time. I don't think anybody can really fill the shoes of Madoka, mm. she is really, a, a, I think, truly bilingual. Her mother language is English, so it's easier for English-speaking people to, or any other people who speak English, to communicate with Madoka. As for me, I, I didn't grow up in the States. My parents are both Japanese. <laughs> I'm trying my best to be able to communicate. Well, you're doing a wonderful job. I, I really, I know that sometimes it can be hard, but... I mean, you're very, very clear in your English. So I'm really grateful that you're even contemplating filling those shoes. <laughs> and really what I want to talk to you about, Chiaki, is this very unique style of yoga slash yoga therapy that is practiced in Japan for therapeutic purposes called isometric yoga. And it is something I had never heard of when I arrived there. And I remember Madoka kind of giving me a little session in the gym at the hotel. We got up fairly early. I think I got you out of bed early that day, Madoka, and went down to the gym. And, and I was actually quite shocked at the immediate shift in my sensations in my body and my mental state. I was like, what just happened to me? That, that was amazing. And it's something I had never done before in 25 years of studying yoga. So Chiaki, can you describe the basic tenets of isometric yoga for us? Yes. The isometric yoga is actually based on some essence of traditional yoga. It was coined and developed by Mr. Kenshin Kimura, who studied yoga in up in the Himalaya mountains with an authentic yogi. And he knew that the element of adding some tension, then releasing the tension is part of the practice. And so he incorporated into the style that it's easy for anyone to practice. And it's a good way to observe yourself and have immediate relaxation response. I can do a little bit of 
demonstration. Sure. Like. Yes, please do. Okay. So let's bring our hands together in front of the heart center. And you can actually slide it and pressing the palms together. So your spine is upright. And shoulders are relaxed. And then with exhalation, you move toward one side. Either side is fine. So twisting a little bit to the left with your torso as you press your palms together. Right. And then inhaling, slowly returning to center. And exhale, release hands slowly. And do the other side, inhale, pressing the palms against each other. And you can slide the other way. And as you exhale, slowly add tension between hands. So this is an isometric resistance between palms. On your next inhale, returning to center, keeping the resistance. Then exhale, slowly release. It, it reminds me of something like what we call in the United States, progressive muscle relaxation, or maybe there's even another word, maybe autogenics. I think mm-hmm. it's more like where you, you flex a certain muscle group or contract it and then release it and let it go. And then you contract and it's similar to that. And you can also add sound that yeah. has another effect. Interlace the fingers, touch the back of the head. Spine tall, then with mm, sound, press head against the palm. And I forgot to mention, please use not your full strength, but about up to 50%. Up to 50%. So pressing the head into the hands and resisting with the hands and humming on the exhalation, right? And slowly release tension as you inhale. Then with humming sound, release hands. So those were two wonderful examples of the tension and resistance and isometric contraction that you can do sitting up. And when I was with Madoka in the gym that day, the one that was so powerful to me was we were lying down on our backs with our knees bent and feet flat on the floor. And she had me press the back of my skull very gently, like 40 to 50% effort into the floor, the gym floor and hum on the exhalation and then release my neck, you know, not push anymore. So we did that like three times with the back of my head, push, hum at the same time, release. And then again and again, and we did different body parts. Like we might press an elbow into the floor and hum on the exhalation and then release and then press the other elbow and then maybe press both elbows. And, you know, just using the floor as a tool or a prop to create that isometric contraction and then release. I found the, the lying down version really so relaxing. Do you want to add anything, Madoka? What am I forgetting? Uh, you remember more than I do. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, the the great thing about that is that, you know, people who are bedridden mm. like, still have something. It, it's possible. So this is one of the things that I think uh, Keishin was very conscientious of when developing the different techniques is that really whether you're physically fit or whether you're wheelchair bound or whether you're in a hospital bed like there are ways to use this isometric resistance and being you know aware of the changes in the body and coordinating with the breathing it creates sort of i guess now is more well known as mindfulness but uh, a mindful exercise that also helps to balance out the autonomic nervous system with the stimulation and relaxation, stimulation, relaxation. 
Yeah, I think that the sensing the difference in tension between, oh, now I'm contracting, oh, now I'm relaxing, like doing that over and over, you start to understand how much tension you really have in your neck or in your shoulders or whatever body part you're, your foot pushing into the floor, whatever it is that alternating back and forth really, I think it helps the muscle kind of release and relax and lets your nervous system. But it also, like you said, it builds this awareness. There are certain parts that when I go to do the contraction, it doesn't feel any different between that and the relaxation. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when there's like no difference that tells me, oh, the muscle couldn't relax. It's just staying tense all the time. Hmm, I might need to do more in that area, right? And since then, Madoka, I've also done some research on what we call the Brahmari breathing, which is the humming that's happening. And that that actually, they now know, creates nitric oxide in the nasal passages, which is really, really great for your immune system. Apparently that humming creates nitric oxide and then that helps stimulate our immune system. So that's where I want to take this next is that although Keishin Kimura kind of invented this technique, if you will, there is a researcher named Dr. Oka, also from Japan, lovely, lovely, lovely human being. I just can't say enough good goodness about him. And he kind of created some protocols for things like chronic fatigue syndrome, um, and did actual research studies on, on isometric yoga for things like CFS. And I think one of the studies actually won like a really big award in frontiers nature. neuroscience. It was nature? Nature, nature. Okay. It was a really big award though. It was saying like this isometric yoga is game changing for people with chronic fatigue. Right. And so one of the resources I wanted to point people to is that the isometric yoga protocol for chronic fatigue syndrome is in English on YouTube instructed by Dr. Oka. I just want to play a tiny bit of this. It's actually www.youtube.com. And then if you type in isometric yoga, Japan, CFS, it should come up, but we'll put the link in the show notes too. But just so you, you can see Mr. Oka, I just have so much respect for him as a scientist, but also a practitioner. So let's just watch for a minute. Hi, I'm Dr. Oka. This video introduces a recumbent isometric yoga program for patients with myalgic encephalomyelitis, chronic fatigue syndrome, MECFS. In 2014, I conducted a randomized control trial to assess the effects of sitting isometric yoga on patients with MECFS and found that isometric yoga improves fatigue and pain in these patients. So I will allow our guests to go and find Dr. Oka on YouTube, but you can see from his research that in just, I think it's eight weeks, they found really significant differences in fatigue and pain for people with chronic fatigue syndrome using isometric yoga. So I'll try to include that as well as the the nature article or the, the research article in, in our show notes. Chiaki, earlier you mentioned dentists. Yes. Are there dentists in Japan using isometric yoga? Yes, in fact, there are several dentists or dental hygienists who studied and became a certified yoga therapists. And the reason is that in some of the symptoms that affects your dental condition, such as teeth constantly touching to each other. Would you call that TMJ? T that's another thing. Yeah, TMJ is another condition. That's mm -hmm. when you're clenching and you're, you have a pain in the mm -hmm. joints around here. That has something to do with stress, mm -hmm. chronic stress. And so to tackle that, yoga therapy can be a very helpful tool. So that's what some dentists found. And they even had presentation at last year's research conference. Mm, wonderful. You know, 
I just think yoga therapy and dentistry could go so well together because you can do visualization, you can do breathing, you can do meditation, you can, there's so many different things you can do just sitting in the dental chair while you're waiting. And I've always pictured, like, I think you could have a little video, you know, every time I'm at the dentist, they have a little TV in the corner. You could have a little video taking people through some of these exercises. Has that been done in Japan where like on a video, they're actually taking people through any, any of the exercises on the dentist chair. That, that would be one, that would be nice, that, but not yet. <laughs> no, not yet. Probably I can imagine dentists prescribing certain movements and breathing techniques and isometric yoga to their patients. Mm-hmm. I think specifically isometric yoga, because you can just press the body parts while sitting in the chair, waiting for the dentist to come. You could hum softly. I think it's actually well suited. Okay. Well, let's move into the next little segment. I want to talk a little bit about something called Yoga Nikatan USA. Chiaki, will you tell me a little bit about what that is? Yoga Nikatan USA is a nonprofit organization. It's just group that branch of Japan Yoga Niketan and we are hoping to spread the idea or word of the teachings of Japan Yoga Niketan and that also includes some Yoga Niketan method of isometric yoga as well. You know that was my first question after Madoka taught this method of isometric yoga to me once I came home and I thought well I want to learn more about this and of course here in the U.S., there isn't a lot of isometric yoga yet. So I think you're saying that Yoga Nikatan USA is kind of like the emerging school that could teach people in the U.S. about isometric yoga. And along with that, we have the wonderful Masayo who lives in Arizona. And she's, would you say she kind of heads up this division that's that's emerging here in the U.S.? Right. In fact, Masayo really helped create or establish Yoga Niketan USA in Arizona. Uh, she's also trying to create a program for English-speaking people to learn more about isometric yoga. And we are at the members of Japan Yoga Therapy Society in North America trying to help each other and create the program. Mm, so that's, if you wanted to get in touch with Masayo about possibly learning isometric yoga, that would be www.bijayogaroom.com. And again, we'll put that in the show notes, but I think it's interesting that here in the U.S., nobody's ever heard, many people have not heard of isometric yoga. And it, I think it would be really cool to have that come from Japan and start infiltrating the hospitals here. And it's just so different than anything, you know, in the U S it's all about no pain, no gain. You got to work hard. You got to do all these asana. And this is so different. I think if people do that YouTube video that we just put up, it takes what, 20, 25 minutes. And you literally feel like a different person. It's, it's pretty amazing. Do you want to say anything else, Madoka? I feel like we're you're quiet over there. Anything <laughs> else about isometric yoga before we move into our last segment? There were two things I was thinking to say. One is to clarify what is Yoga Niketan and what is the Japan Yoga Therapy Society? Because they mm-hmm. kind of, so Yoga Niketan was the original school run by Keishin Kimura. And so this is where they have the yoga classes and the yoga teacher trainings, yoga therapist trainings. And actually a lot of the curriculum from that for this program comes from Esviasa. And so Esviasa is recognized by the Indian government. It's like an Indian government certified <laughs> yoga teacher training. So then after completing the yoga therapy training at Japan Yoga Niketan, then you apply to the Japan Yoga Therapy Society for membership and receive the Japan Yoga Therapy Society's yoga therapist certification. It would, it's kind of like if somebody might study with optimal state yoga therapy, but to get national certification, they then take my certificate and go to 
IAYT to become a CIYT. It's similar to that, but the difference is here in the United States, we probably have over 60 yoga therapy schools now. And in Japan, there is maybe three now. Um, In Japan, maybe, I think maybe a little bit more, but to get certification for as a yoga therapist with the Japan Yoga Therapy Society, right now, only Japan Yoga Niketan therapists get that certification. So it's not like an umbrella like IAYT is for different Mm -hmm. yoga therapy schools. But with the Japan Yoga Therapy Society, people who are not yoga therapists, but who are interested in yoga therapy, like academics or medical professionals, they can become members, but they don't have certification. Mm-hmm. And to get a certification, you have to make a presentation, either a poster presentation or oral presentation at this research conference. So that's a requirement. Wow. Everybody has to get involved. (laughs) In regard to the isometric yoga, if you look at Dr. Oka's channel, you'll see really gentle, really mild practices. And a lot of the isometric yoga exercises are very gentle. But for people who are more physically fit and who need a little bit more rigorous practice, there are also more rigorous practices Mm. that are based on the traditional yoga that Mr. Kimura studied in the Himalayas, and he's added isometric elements to that. So Interesting. um, See, I haven't seen that yet, a a kind of a more physical practice. Yeah. Okay. I need need to see that next. Maybe I'll schedule a a private with Chiaki or Masayo (laughs) and have them take me through the athlete version of isometric yoga. (laughs) No, it, it is actually called the isotonic, I think. Mm. Uh, so now there's isometric and isotonic and isotonic. They ha- there's more movement. Mm, um, interesting. But it involves pressing or pulling or pressing <laughs> these kind of things. Oh, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. I, I think everyone should try it. You know, it's kind of like, in the US, we have yin yoga and we have kundalini yoga and we have Iyengar yoga, and they're all so different, right? And so I think everyone should check this out and see what you think of isometric and isotonic yoga. So, just to kind of make our full circle complete, there was one other point. Keishin Kimura is the president of the Japanese Yoga Therapy Society, but he's also a recipient from the Prime Minister of India, which I assume is Modi. Isn't he received a special award? Uh, It it was actually Japan Yoga Niketan. Mm. That's the recipient. And it was, uh, I think, the second, second or third year after the June 21st became International Yoga Day. Mm. And the recipient was limited to India, Indian people, Indian organization at first. But when they expanded to include an international division, the so Japan Yoga Niketan became the first recipient or two of the recipients. One was individual, one was organization. I think that just shows the close connection between India and Japan in terms of they're very, very close and very loyal to passing the teachings forward. So, okay. Well, our last little bit, we just have a couple of minutes left, but I I want to to talk about this a little bit because I think the whole idea behind Global Yoga Therapy Consortium and all the things we're talking about today, kind of bringing the, the world together globally to see what other countries are doing. Madoka was very brave. She decided to take the Optimal State Yoga Therapy Business course. And when she finished, she decided with her her very good friend, Yukiko, to offer this same course in Japan. So there's now a Japanese yoga business course. And Chiaki has taken that course. So we, all three of us spent a lot of, it was Monday night for me, Tuesday morning for all of you. But Madoka, can you just tell us a little bit about why you decided to not only take the course, but then you bring it to Japan? 
It's interesting. I never had any interest in business until just before taking the course, (laughs) but I was also struggling, like juggling different jobs. And I did a lot of translation work, which I'm fairly good at, but I'm not necessarily passionate about. And I had, you know, this dream and that dream, but I didn't really know how to move it forward. And so I was kind of waiting. And then I got frustrated. (laughs) And the idea was like, maybe it's because I don't know business. And it was about that time that I think Amy, you started putting up posts and doing lives on Facebook about yoga and yoga business. And I was like, oh, There's the thing out there. <laughs> yeah, like if I know, because I, I couldn't imagine going to business school and I didn't know, like, where do you start learning about business? And all of a sudden there was this you know, yoga business course. And like knowing you, I think I had a lot of suspicion about business too. Like business is about, you know, kind of money grabbing and advertising is you know like how do you manipulate people's minds so that they buy from you and like i had these terrible oh that's my whole that's my whole mo right there (laughs) like terrible prejudices or biases against business but i was like if this if amy's making this course it it can't be like that like i just knew that it wouldn't be that way and so then you know i i talked with you about my goals are like something like this and would the business course be useful for that? And and I, I think your goals at the time, if I remember, were, you know, you are very committed to a very special type of Zen practice, mm-hmm. right? And so at the time and maybe, maybe in the future, didn't you think about opening a Zen center? Yeah, I wanted to start a Zen center. Like in the United States, there are, I think, quite a number of Zen centers. And I don't know how, what their business models <laughs> are. Um, are they money grabbing and, and manipulative? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think uh, they operate largely on donations. Mm. But in Japan, basically, Zen equals Buddhist temple, like a Zen temple. And so mm. temples have their way of supporting themselves financially and so every time i would tell people i'm i want to make a business uh, not a business center a, a zen center someday they, everyone was like well you can't make a living from that and you know it's kind of a nice hobby maybe but and i was thinking well if they can do it in the united states surely i should be able to do it in japan and i've got like the best teachers on the planet <laughs> Yeah. And so you said, yeah, I think, you know, the principles would be the same. And so I started taking the course and the first few weeks were very mindset oriented. Mm -hmm. And that's what made me realize how anti-business my mindset had been. And I started reflecting on like, I think I used to be a human rights activist and environmental activist. And so my notion of business was like big corporation you know, forget about the little people, exploit cheap labor, exploit wheeze the, the profit out. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you ever told me all this, Madoka? I'm having a little panic attack over here. <laughs> oh, but, but then I was like, well, you know, there was an Indian restaurant next to my apartment that I love. Like, I love the people there. I would go there and I became a regular, and, you know, they would give me desserts for free. <laughs> And I was like, well, that's a business. Yeah. And I was like, the stationery shop down the street is a business. And, you know, the the teachers I studied yoga from are running businesses. And I even helped to manage this a studio once. And that was a business. And I'm like, why did I let my brain get so preoccupied with this one element? And it just like, And you're not the only one to tell me that. I mean, many people in that cohort, which was a couple of years ago, said the same thing within the first month, like, oh, I have been wanting to create a sustainable lifestyle, but I have a huge prejudice against calling it a business. Can we just call it something else? And I was like, you go for it, call it whatever you want. I think we actually named the course professional development because I think a lot of yogis just have a, a really hard time with the thought of making money 
off of teaching what we do. And I just prefer to think of it as creating a sustainable living where there's prana exchanged. It doesn't always have to be money Mm -hmm. and hopefully being able to be of service. And I always say, if we don't figure out a way to create sustainable businesses, Mm -hmm. it's going to be a problem because then only wealthy people get to pass yoga on. Mm -mm. Right. Cause someone told me once, well, we should all be teaching for free and I would love to teach for free, but if, the only people that are allowed to teach are those who have enough money to do it for free. We're going to have a very elite, elitist, maybe is a better word, group of people passing the teachings along. And I don't, I don't think we want to do that. I think we want all types of people to be able to pass the teachings along. Mm-hmm. So Chiaki, as we wrap up, do you feel in taking this, this course it, it seems like it's been kind of challenging to decide on a focus and not just for you, for many students to narrow down, like, what do I really want to do? Who do I want to serve? What are their problems? Why do I want to do this from the depths of my heart? Have you found it challenging to kind of nail down those things and make those decisions? Yes. I had a passion to help mostly women who is suffering from autoimmune illness or lupus because I'm a patient myself. And yet that is one thing, but I guess I had a hard time trying to reach out to those people. And especially in in Japan, it, it was taking me so much time to reach out. And even then I still have to find out if they're willing to work with me mm. online. There are many other questions to be asked. I think that's the biggest hurdle is when you decide on a group of people you want to be of service to, inherently you're kind of excluding other people. So all the other people that came for strength or for balance or burnout or stress reduction, you're saying, you know, I want to reach the people who need me because they have lupus. And I think that's just so hard for people to choose a group and stay focused and dig that one well deeply because there's all these other opportunities that are taking our attention here and there and everywhere. In reality, the the people who are taking my classes in English are those in the 60s and 70s, someone with grandchildren, Mm -hmm. and they want to maintain their health, and they have some issues too, not lupus, but they would like to maintain their health, and they really love isometric yoga. Mm. And I think that's fine to have kind of two types of people that you serve. Maybe you want to do more privates with people who have lupus and your group classes are more geared towards, you know, stress reduction and taking good care of your body and wellness at age 60 and over. But I, I guess it's just to say, I think running a business in the field of yoga or yoga therapy, it is not an easy thing to do by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think it's just Madoka and Chiaki that kind of had trouble getting their head around it. And it continues to be a work in progress, right? Right. So, well, uh, Madoka, is there any last bits of wisdom or anything that you feel you want to add to finish today? <laughs> I don't know if it's any wisdom, but um, one of the reasons I wanted to offer the course in Japanese and worked with you to translate all the materials into Japanese for Japanese audiences because I also thought, you know, like changing the the paradigm of how we think about business would also be really beneficial to a lot of people. And I, I know that, you know, in Japan, there were people like me, but also people who might not be as anti-business, <laughs> but who just don't know where to start. And so we put business in the name of the course in Japanese, yoga business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I was hoping to create sort of a mini revolution <laughs> inside the yoga field in Japan. And I, I think as Jackie is seeing, and we see it with our business course here in the US, it takes about two to three years to really get your ideas clear, implement them, build traction, like anything less than two to three years, you know, it takes time. And one of the biggest things, both in Japan and the U S that I see is if you have two to three years with a cohesive group of people with similar goals 
a community that is going through this together and supporting each other and which learning management system are you using and which video subscription are you using? Like to have a group of people that's kind of in this together week after week after week for a couple of years, two to three years, I just think it's almost essential. It's really hard to do on our own, you know? It's really hard. And I think that people who were in the first cohort, it's kind of like me being in your first cohort where it was just like, how do I wrap my head around this? But it's interesting watching. We, we now just started our second cohort. And during some of the question and answer sessions, people from the first cohort are also participating. And so the people in the second are listening to what people in the first are saying and I think this learning curve is going to be really fast compared to this one. Adoka, and- I love that. That's how we do it too. Like once you take one of our courses, you can come back for free and take it again. And you're absolutely right. Cause they teach each other. And I think they have more faith because they see people a year or two ahead of them that have found a little success and figured out here's how to do a website and here's how to market yourself. And instead of just feeling overwhelmed, you get this sense that, oh, they did it. So I think I can probably figure it out and do it too. Well, thank you both for being here today, telling us about the Japanese Yoga Therapy Society, the Global Yoga Therapy Consortium, Yoga Nikitan, talking about Keishin Kimura and his contribution to yoga therapy in Japan and now bringing business of yoga to Japan. I hope that we have a lifelong connection with each other. I'm not letting either one of you out of my sights as long as I'm here. And I'm just really grateful that you spent this time to help everybody around the globe understand what's happening in Japan, because I'm hoping that it's that same feeling that I had when I came to Japan that, wow, there are so many people all over the world that love what I love. This is not a fluke. This is not going away. Keishin Kimura has been doing this for 40 plus years, probably. We're in this, we're doing this, you know? So thank you both for coming today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode with Madoka and Chiaki. And I just want to thank both of my friends for being brave enough and courageous enough to come on a podcast like this and speak about what's happening in Japan, especially to Chiaki, who grew up in Japan and has wonderful English speaking skills. But I think it it can be a little intimidating to come on a podcast like this. And I, I think Madoka also is a little bit of a shy person. It, it took a little bit to convince them to come on so that the whole world of yoga therapy could benefit from these two lovely ladies and their knowledge and their talents and their ability to help bring yoga therapy forward in Japan, each in their own unique way. So here's to good friends from all over the world coming together loving yoga therapy together, but maybe more importantly, just really loving each other as human beings. I always say that yoga therapy is the container in which we have this opportunity to form conscious, close connections with one another. And, you know, it's not even about the yoga, it's about the connection but through this container of yoga therapy, we we have the opportunity and the reason to come together. But in the end, we just love each other and that's what matters. And if we were high school teachers teaching English or Japanese, that could work too. If we met in college and just stayed in touch, that would work too. You know, I think the the container of yoga therapy is amazing, but let's not miss the point, which is to have good human connection with people all over the world. So thank you for listening and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening today. Don't forget, we have a new YouTube channel called Optimal State with Amy Wheeler. We also have a new Patreon page where you can support us to bring you the most excellent content. And that is Optimal State and the Yoga Therapy Hour Patreon page. 
Also, you could write us a review on most major platforms that host podcasts. Give us five stars if you appreciate the show and tell us what you love so that we can do more of that. Finally, we support several nonprofit organizations through this podcast. See the show notes to understand how you can help. If you'd like to be a guest or a sponsor for this program, contact us at the email welcome at theoptimalstate.com. Welcome at theoptimalstate.com. And finally, a special thank you to our team here at Optimal State. We are truly a global family. George Mantuan, one of our executive producers. Adam Satchel, senior media producer and sound engineer from the Philippines. Krishna Panchal, a producer from Canada. Modupe Abdullahi, who does the show notes and is an editor for us from Nigeria. And Peter Morley, who wrote and produced the music for this show, who lives in Australia. Find more about Peter's work at www.zenmusic.biz. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.